Hello and welcome to DevOps Sauna. My name is Lauri and I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Efficode. Gartner has predicted that by 2024, more than 45% of IT spending on system infrastructure, infrastructure software, application software and business process outsourcing will shift from traditional solutions to cloud. Much of this transition is driven by the IT infrastructure and application teams, but there is an ever more interesting avenue for cloud computing, and that is developers themselves. Developers have an immense power when they select their preferred tools and platforms, which have implications to the infrastructure of the company. We had an opportunity to discuss with Raman Sharma, Vice President of Product Marketing at DigitalOcean, and learn more about what it means to be the cloud for developers. If you are a developer yourself or a software team lead, you should listen intently because DigitalOcean is giving away free credits to help you get going. Now let's get started with the discussion. Well, welcome Raman. Good to have you in our DevOps Sauna podcast indeed. Thanks for having me, Laurie. Are you able to hear me all right? I am able to hear you all right, indeed. And we also have Marco from Finland on the line. Hi, Marco. How are you doing? Perfect. Thank you. You are based in Seattle, is that correct? That's right. I'm, uh, I'm in Seattle. We had a pretty big windstorm yesterday because of which we did not have power for 24 hours. Oh. So I experienced 18th century for a, for a few hours there. Well, that, that is an experience <clears throat> if it's uh, short enough. Yeah. And when it's <laughs> when it gets too long, then it becomes a problem. We have we actually got a um, a fresh good snowfall here. So maybe a week ago we had some snow, and now we have maybe anywhere between one foot and two feet. Oh, okay. So that that snow came or winter <clears throat> came overnight, so to say. Yeah. Today we are talking about digital ocean, and and more specifically. Um, things around uh, developers taking advantage of digital ocean solutions, the challenges, opportunities, and uh, that alike. I am going to hand over to Marco, who is going to facilitate our conversation and, and be your your uh, conversation partner here. Marco Great. is our CTO and uh, I'm our CMO. So I'm going to step back and give it to Marco and he can introduce himself and then you'll be able to introduce yourself and then off we go. Thank you. So I'm Marco, um, as already said, I'm the CTO of Eficode. I've been at Eficode for 15 years already, which is long for any any modern IT, but at the same time, I've always <laughs> worked on the startup scene, so I have a few very active startups running running that I'm either founding or helping to grow currently. And my, my blood flows in the community and contributing and also development. So I'm still an active developer also in, in GitHub and using DigitalOcean services as well myself. So as said, Raman, very, very happy to have you here today. If you could just with a few words uh, introduce yourself and, and of course DigitalOcean. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Raman Sharma. Uh, I lead product marketing and developer relations here at DigitalOcean. Uh, been with the company a little more than a year. Uh, I would say before that, uh, even before that, I've been almost entirely in the developer space, either as a developer myself or building products for developers or marketing products to developers, uh, developer tools or cloud services. So that's been my background, which is why it explains uh, why I'm at here at DigitalOcean. We are a very, very developer focused company. In fact, we pride ourselves as the cloud for developers. You know, we we exist to serve developers. We we exist to, to make their workflows easier on the cloud and to, to demystify cloud computing for anyone who wants to do anything significant. Uh, in, in the cloud. So that's kind of our um, mission, I would say. And I, would, I think we are we are succeeding at it. And, you know, let's talk more about it. Sure thing. I guess my first question would be, like, how do you differentiate yourself from building for developers rather than the C-level or for the whole organization in or big, big enterprises? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. So 
I mean, I myself come from a pretty big cloud provider before I came to DigitalOcean. And my experience, uh, and even like my observation looking at the landscape is that large cloud providers are very much focused on um, like digital transformation and large enterprises who are trying to bring a lot of workloads from on-premises to the cloud. Yeah. Well, that's a great space to be. There's a lot of money to be made there. But I think what we have seen is that there is an underserved audience and in, in a set of underserved scenarios uh, where there's a lot of business to be done and a lot of people to be served. For example, developers who do not necessarily want to deal with 160 services understand, you know, every every detail of you know all the different managed services that these, these big cloud providers are providing all they want to do is solve their own problem whether it is hosting a website building a small simple application automating some piece of the infrastructure <clears throat> so for those audiences and scenarios we found that you know there's an opportunity there so that's where DigitalOcean kind of came in the three audiences that i would say we serve are individual developers who are trying to like either learn cloud technologies or run their personal projects in in their journey to becoming experts there. The second is entrepreneurs and startups who are like who are looking to build a business on top of cloud. And the third is small and medium businesses who are trying to bring their applications to the cloud. So these three segments I would we felt were were not really being served appropriately by, by anyone in the market. So we came in and we are trying to carve out a niche for ourselves in the in that space. The way we do that is twofolds. The first is a simplicity of experience, whether it is understanding, you know, what cloud technologies can do for you, or or it is the simplicity of the product experience. That's number one. And the second is a big community flavor. Like if you see a lot of what we do is provide education to developers on solving simple fundamental problems or solving how to do things in the cloud. So that's our kind of mode of operation. If we start from from the basics, what kind of services do you think are the differentiators for such like SMB or or like individuals and the small medium businesses that you would provide? So how does the cloud services differ from the the ones that that would you would expect from the the big enterprises? Yeah. So I think as I as I mentioned earlier, if you if you feel that the problem that a large enterprise is trying to solve is digital transformation or yes. standardization of the cloud platform for all their applications or all their portfolio of applications, usually what we see is that is not the kind of a problem a startup or an SMB has. You know, In most cases, our audience, they are actually digital native. They did not have a pre-digital investment to begin with. So <clears throat> what they want to do is actually create a business or spend more of their time on their business, you know, rather than worry about, oh, you know, how to automate infrastructure, how to provision infrastructure, learn every single detail of infrastructure as code. They want to focus on their, they want to get to their applications as soon as possible. That's what we try to kind of trying to do. If you look at our product offerings, we have core infrastructure. We call yep. infrastructure as a service, compute, network, and storage. Uh, we have cloud native, which is Kubernetes, and we have now Pass platform as a service. We look at our product portfolio with the lens of this these three pillars, and we add what we call foundational pieces to every pillar to allow people to solve ninety five percent of their problems. We feel that the rest five percent are not worth our time and energy to go after, and but we provide enough tools and open source guidance for people to be able to solve the, uh, solve those things for themselves. Yeah. And that that definitely is something that I've seen also as as a developer role. That that's something that I feel that that digital ocean definitely radiates. Um, how do you define what the services should be? So how do you involve the innovators and the users in this process? Or yeah, a couple of ways. Uh, actually, one is that we have a very strong research arm within our product development team. So they, they do conduct a bunch of research, uh, whether it is from our existing customers, potential customers, community at large. So through through this iterative process, we are able to figure out, are we building the right product? Are we, are we going to hit product market fit? So that's number one. Number two is, uh, just because I said earlier, we have a very strong community presence in terms of our tutorials, 
our Q&A and our documentation. So the data that we get from, from that set of community, uh, you know, uh, material that we have out there gives us a lot of signals around what people are interested in, what kind of problems people are facing. In fact, one flavor that you will notice around our, our tutorials is that many of those tutorials are not even about DigitalOcean. They're not about how to do things using our cloud products. They're about solving generic computing problems for developers, whether it is Linux, infrastructure, cloud, automation. So through that, we get a lot of signals around what people are running into, what kind of problems they're trying to solve. And what we try to do is again, going back to the 80-20 rule, we take the 80% of that problem and try to solve it using our products. And we feel that that mode of operation has worked quite well for us. Yeah, I think, actually, I think that DigitalOcean is really, really well known on, on the tutorial side and the technical guides. Like if you look at any installation guide or similar, yeah. you, you always bump into two sources uh, that would be Stack Overflow and DigitalOcean, of course. Yeah, and, and as you can imagine, like, com like even, even being spoken about in the same sentence as Stack Overflow is, is quite flattering. Actually, Stack Overflow <laughs> is now the Google for developers. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, and we are, we absolutely understand this, that in many cases, the first interaction anyone in anyone, even many of our customers have a digital ocean is through these tutorials. We take it, we take it very, very seriously. Yep. Now you can call it content marketing. We call it community uh, yep. because we believe in developer education. So I think it has worked out very, very well for us, both in terms of, you know, creating attention for ourselves and also in terms of serving the community and helping developers. Would you be so kind as to elaborate how much or how do you produce the content? Where does it come from? So it's always excited me how quality content it is. How, like, how, how have you come into creating such quality content for the tutorials? Because that cannot be easy. <laughs> Yeah, it has it has been a process. It it is an iterative process. I would say we have three sources for that. The first is we are very unique in the sense that our marketing team, actually a big chunk of our marketing team, is very technical writers and editors who produce super high quality content. And you'll not believe me, but the bar that we have for these tutorials is super high. Uh, <laughs> in many cases, many of our official pieces of documentation will not qualify to, to, be, uh, to be hosted on, on our community site because that is the level of rigor that we require uh, before we put anything on our community site. So we have internal writers like who keep a track of the popular topics, what kind of topics are working well, uh, what people are looking for, and they produce content based on that. We also have, a, have an editorial team that works with content contributors outside our company, you know, we, the community contributors, and we have a program called write for Dio, write for Dio nations. And as a part of which you can, you can submit your content, work with our editorial team, and then you can either get compensated or you can donate to, to your uh, charity of choice. So these two sources are kind of organic. And then most recently, what we have also started to do is look at who else is ethos aligned? Who else is solving developer problems in the same way as we are? And then try to form like partnerships either by acquiring that content or, or building some kind of a, a arrangement with these content providers. So yeah, I would say those are, are the major ways that we are trying to like slowly and gradually uh, building building our content repository. Quality is, is paramount for us. Like we believe in quality more than quantity. We now have more than 3000, I would say. But you know you should not expect to that number to become ten thousand just because we are going after growth. No, we are going after quality. Yeah, and and I yeah as as a as a consumer, I can say that 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 definitely pays pays back. Um, and it's also like we've for example we we do our blogging and and similar content. We we've written topics like Jenkins configuration. And, and similar, and it has been interesting to see that the, the similar uh, interesting areas are emerging by, of course, our, our internal community here in Efficode, but also then you can replicate it or see it against the digital ocean content and seeing that, okay, this is yeah. something that's definitely a hot topic currently. 
Yeah, uh, infrastructure as a code is a popular trend these days. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's also like, um, as I said, um, this is something um, I wanted to ask just just before is how would you differentiate? Uh, like when you said that building the digital transformation and similar, but you have the same components uh, within digital ocean, but but more reachable for the developers and smaller communities. Um, is there some like how how do you how do you produce, for example, the, the infrastructure and co as code or similar within uh, digital ocean as compared to the others? Or is it? Oh, you mean how do we do internally for our systems? Yeah, I guess I I would like I would rather ask that a bit later. It's okay. it's more like to as as you're doing the technical guides, does it somehow oh. also like? Uh, transform into the product portfolio in a certain way or or how do you like reflect that yeah how i mean if you if you ask me like infrastructure as code we do put out a lot of content about it uh, both how to do it generically and how also how to do it on top of DigitalOcean. but having having said that uh, you you'd probably understand that infrastructure as code is still pretty much an advanced topic like your everyday developer is not dealing with Terraform and Ansible and automation of all these kinds. And we we do feel that it is our duty to kind of serve that developer also, like who may not be advanced in these topics. So we have, what we do is we provide guidance out there, but we will not like to overwhelm your everyday developer with these concepts within the cloud control panel. So we rely on our API and our tools and the community guidance that we build on, okay, if you want to use like Terraform, Ansible, or, you know, what is that new one? The infrastructure as code, I'm forgetting the name. Uh, there's a new tool, which is entirely based on code. It doesn't use XAML. Anyway, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll come back to it. Uh, yeah, so we, we do provide documentation of all kinds, uh, but in terms of, like we we do not highlight this experience within the cloud control panel. I, I would say. Yeah, this is also interesting to hear because um, at Eficard, as we are, we do DevOps consultancy in, in seven different countries, and we have three hundred and fifty people working on DevOps. Particularly, yeah. it's interesting to see how uh, how, for example, Ansible is very much everyday for yes. us and our customers. But still, if you look at the community and the ones that consume your tutorials, it's it's definitely not like that yet. That's a majority. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys you guys probably live and breathe DevOps and everything and infrastructure yeah. as code is and automation is now a big part of DevOps. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about a small startup who's trying to like build a SaaS application that they want to take online in, in a couple of months, they they probably will not spend a ton of time making every show ma making everything super automated super streamlined thinking about each and every devops practice they will probably come back to that later once they have their product up and running whether it is the right way to think about product development process or not it's not for up to not, not for me to decide but that's what we feel a lot of people do actually okay let's get this business off the ground and then we'll we'll optimize things later on we'll we'll make sure that the process is the right or so on uh, so yeah, I mean, and and you're you're totally right. This is my experience working in previously in larger companies also that DevOps and process optimization is almost a product in itself. Like many people, they are not trying to build new products. All they are trying to do is optimize their current processes. So for that kind of things that you're talking about make total sense. But for somebody who's just trying to create a product and get it off the ground, it probably is the next step. That sounds interesting, and that's actually a really good answer, also to the to the so-called SMB question. So, why why digital ocean for individuals, teams, SMBs? Uh, it's it's definitely like that, getting up and running as fast as possible. I'm talking about much in, in when I'm when I'm giving speaks. I'm talking about zero day delivery. Uh, it's a concept for yeah. for the purpose of the idea is that if you come up with an idea, you should be in production the same day. And you should have like the self-service portal or platform for that purpose, which would enable you to go to production. And it should also change your 
the concept of delivery and release in your mind in such a way that you can deliver to production immediately and then do the release when you decide to release your product. And I see yourself. Yeah, Marco, as much as as much as we'd like, not every developer in the world is as enlightened <laughs> as that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we are getting there. The community is getting there. Uh, but I think it's it's a spectrum of how much people want to think about it at that stage of their journey. I'm still gonna ask next about the Kubernetes. So you've you've mm-hmm. enabled Kubernetes as one of the like main lines of of Digital Ocean. Uh, can you tell how it has been, like how people have taken it into use, and how are you running it currently as in as a product uh, yeah. from from your services? Yeah, I think Kubernetes is a big bet for us, a very very important bet, and I think it is already paying off. I would say, uh, if you think about like every cloud provider these days has a managed Kubernetes service. Like yep. irrespective of how large or small you are, you <laughs> without a Kubernetes service, you're not a serious provider these days. Yeah. Um, the way we think about Kubernetes is that I think we have a strength in the infrastructure space. Like we, we are known, our claim to fame is that we simplified infrastructure. Core cloud computing, compute network storage, virtual machines, load balances, networking, and all that. We have kind of simplified it for for your every day developer. Now the next step of that is how do you make it simpler so that people start using this com- compute and this infrastructure as a commodity, yep. and they do not get married or fall in love with their servers. And Kubernetes kind of does that for everyone. Right? You probably have heard that treat your treat your infrastructure like cattle, not like pets. Yeah, exactly. Kubernetes yep. is the perfect tool that you know allows people to operate in that mode. Uh, the great thing about Kubernetes is that it is sort of a standardizer across across different environments, whether you're running on on-premises or AWS or GCP or any of these other clouds or, or DigitalOcean for that matter. If you are familiar with Kubernetes, you can operate seamlessly on any of these places. And most people try to make sure that their managed offerings also play well with the Kubernetes ecosystem. Uh, we are trying to bring similar approach to Kubernetes as we did to infrastructure. Like we, we don't want to, it is, it is a complex technology. Let's be honest. So <laughs> number one, we, we want to demystify it for your everyday developers, but is it for everyday developers? That is the question that we still need to decide. I feel like Kubernetes is one of the hottest things going on in our, in our industry right now, but the knowledge and the interest around Kubernetes is also, it depends on how much you want to care about it. And how much, how much are you interested in that space? Sometimes it is less about whether you need it or not. It is more about, do you want to do it or not? Based on your experience and your interest. Some people have experience in that area. So they want to use Kubernetes. I'll give you a perfect example. So I was talking to uh, an ad tech company based out of Europe, like one of our customers a few days ago. And they are one of our biggest users of infrastructure. They use like, several hundred virtual machines and that is the perfect use case for kubernetes right if you have that much if you have that wide of an infrastructure why would you not orchestrate that using kubernetes but they felt that kubernetes was an overhead and they in fact went all the way in terms of creating their own small platform as a service layer on top of our infrastructure rather than use kubernetes which is now the industry standard so that's one extreme on the other extreme is like, we talked to a small five person uh, SaaS startup, all of them developers, none of them came with DevOps experience, but they were building a developer focused product, like an API service uh, used by like several, like millions serving millions of requests per day. And even this small team with no DevOps experience, not deep infrastructure experts, they decided to go with Kubernetes because after their initial research, they found that it is taking care of a lot of problems for them which they do not want to think about. Okay. So that's where that's why I feel like it is more about interest and more about like how how much conviction you have in this platform right now rather than like whether it, it is the right product for every scenario or not. So I, I do feel like Kubernetes is, is 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 a critical product. It several people say that this is the next Linux. This is the Linux of the cloud. And I, I do agree uh, with that mindset. No other no other project in the open source arena right now is getting as much energy, as much mind space as Kubernetes. And that only makes it better, I would say. Yeah, 
That's for sure. And I've been like, I, I personally have been working with, with Docker and containers and then Kubernetes from, from the very birth. And it's, it's really interesting to also see how the community reacts to that and how, how fast it can grow. We've created uh, actually a Kubernetes service for an offline network use, uh, using also GitOps in such a way that once the network is regained, uh, the Kubernetes cluster is upgraded and also the applications within. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's also been really interesting to see where Kubernetes can be used even while many still think that it might be an overhead. Yeah, I, I, I imagine like in your conversations, when you're talking about like DevOps expertise with your clients, like Kubernetes invariably comes in, you yeah. know, even if people, even if people are not doing it, they're curious about, okay, hey, hey, what is this Kubernetes thing? Can you tell us more about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then if we look at it from, say, from the DigitalOcean uh, service portfolio, you can pick the spaces, the volumes, the database from outside, and then just start building your application on Kubernetes. And it kind of, it also embraces good development practices like microservices and quick delivery right. and, and similar. And it, it's built for that purpose. And that's- Yeah, I, I think that's right. The, the great thing about Kubernetes is that people who try it, people who like, let's say, give it a try for a few months, once they are past the initial education hurdle, this is what we have seen, like of how things grow within uh, the, the Kubernetes usage of our product grows. Once they pass the initial hurdle, after that point, they feel like they have now codified the platform and the practices on how to bring additional microservices or additional applications to this Kubernetes space. Yeah. And after that point, it becomes very easy to bring in like new applications and new services. It's Lauri again. If this really intrigued you, my recommendation is to try it out yourself. DigitalOcean offers our listeners a free trial for 60 days with 100 US dollars worth of free credits. All you have to do is head to address do.co slash sauna. So sauna is S-A-U-N-A. do.co slash sauna. Create a free account or sign up using your Google or GitHub account and you hit the ground running. Now let's get back to the talk. I think that's enough for Kubernetes. My next question would be, of course, naturally apps. So if you could just quickly walk through what's it like, it's still, I, I uh, log into DigitalOcean here and then I still see that there's a new label on apps. If you could just a few words. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you tried it around? I've, I've, I've clicked it a, a bit and I've, okay. I've browsed through what it offers, but I'm, I'm still going to give you the, the, the speak here. No, yeah. I mean, we, uh, I think the, the best guidance I can give anyone who wants to learn app platform is just try it out for five minutes and you'll, you'll figure it out. That's how simple we believe it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a past product app platform. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it appears as apps inside the control panel, but the marketing name <laughs> is DigitalOcean App Platform. Uh, and that's what it is. It is a platform that allows you to build applications and focus on your applications by bringing either your code or your container images. Uh, and that abstracts away the, the complexities of the underlying infrastructure. You don't have to, you don't worry about what size of a VM it is, how it is going to scale. Do you need to patch it? Do you need to maintain it? All of that is taken care of for you. Uh, we take care of scaling. Uh, it is entirely container based. So that's pretty new. Uh, a lot many past services out there in the market were not created in mind, uh, were not created with this container and Kubernetes thing in mind now, but we have like, in, <laughs> we have the benefit of not only knowing about Kubernetes, but operating one of the most robust Kubernetes services in the cloud. So our, our app platform, PaaS service actually builds on top of our Kubernetes service. Uh, and we are already seeing great benefits from, from it, both in terms of like the optimization of our operations and also how easily we can provide an experience to our customers who are interested in potentially taking their apps to Kubernetes later on. You know, we want to provide that path for, for anyone who's interested. Like once you have created an app, a containerized app that can run in app platform, at some point, if you feel like you need more control 
or you need to maybe you need a bit a little bit more flexibility with the underlying infrastructure you can still take it to kubernetes pretty seamlessly that's that's our ideal scenario in mind but other than that i think app platform is you know a pass environment all you need is to point your app point your applications to a like a github repository and we are we're going to announce support for some of the providers some of their source control providers as well and then you get a live link <laughs> yeah you get a url that kind of hosts your app of course assuming your your code actually works right yeah it's actually really interesting to see for example um on puppet and circle ci uh, published their uh, state of devops report every year and this year it's talking about platforms and, and in ethical we have the root devops platform we provide for our customers and what we try to approach is the self-service not only for our customers but also for developers within our customer space and that's like this is this is kind of the ultimatum of of the self-service of creating apps without any worry yeah i think pass the whole platform as a service space has come back in a big way in the last few years, I would say. Uh, many people almost believe that PaaS was introduced to the market way too early when people were not ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> like Azure, Azure probably started with PaaS. Uh, GCP had had PaaS. AWS was kind of never serious about PaaS, <laughs> I feel. Uh, DigitalOcean, we were always in the infrastructure space. But in the last few years, we saw that even within the spaces that we operate in, there are a lot of people who would rather not deal with infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. They are good with coding. They are good with designing their products. They are good with architecting, but they don't want to think about infrastructure. And for that crowd, I feel like App Platform is, is a very, like, very suitable product. Yeah, most definitely. And and I have to say that also like getting getting the security, like continuous delivery gives security on development time. Absolutely. Which means that you feel security that there is automated line that makes sure that your application is working as expected. But then I said uh, the platform, uh, the, the platform that you provide makes sure that the application is running for their customers or your customer's customer. And that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, since you're running the Hacktoberfest, I, I would mm. like to spend a few minutes also on how do you see the last year, which has in so many ways been quite crazy mm. on both the, the community and then maybe maybe we, we can talk a few words about the Hacktoberfest as well. But how do you see the last year from a provider point of view? It is not a secret that a lot of cloud providers, a lot of technology providers have actually benefited. <laughs> in 2020 as weird as it is to say that but i mean people were more at home there was more network being used there were more cloud services being used there was more digital infrastructure being used like so we we have been a beneficiary of that uh, around hectoberfest specifically um, i mean it is one of our like it is one of our signature events that we do like we are a lot of people know us from Hectoberfest, just because they participated in Hectoberfest. So we have some goals usually around how many people participate, how many people register. And then something that we started a few years, years ago is like we want people to do events, in-person events as a part of which they sit together and hack or build things, contribute to open source. So we, we usually have goals for both of them, registrations as well as events. This year around, this time around, like we obviously relaxed our goals for events because we did not want to encourage people to sit together and, and code. Uh, but both, I think both around events as well as registration, our numbers were pretty impressive. We, we beat our numbers from last year. Uh, we had, we got one feedback. This is one thing that we did differently this year and I'm kind of proud of how we reacted to it. One feedback that we got within the first few, uh, of days, first few days of the event was that there are a lot of, usually people are very enthusiastic about uh, about Hacktoberfest and they, they actually promote their own open source projects for people to come and contribute to. But we heard from some maintainers of open source projects that sometimes this brings unnecessary attention to their projects and they are not able to kind of keep on top of all the requests that are coming to their, their repositories for that. So we very quickly took that feedback and incorporated that into our program um, operations by making the whole process opt-in 
for different open source maintainers and i think that really like that was received very well both by maintainers as well as by contributors because number one maintainers were happy that they're not getting they're getting high quality submissions and on the second side people who were actually submitting their their pull requests were all people who were genuinely interested in in contributing to open source so and in addition to that like you know usually we give out a t-shirt this year we started this option of planting a tree as well uh, that has been received very well and i think something will uh, will look to continue to do in future years as well yeah i mean super proud of how we uh, how we operated this year well yeah thank you and it's also like i said it's it surprised me how you can even produce that amount of t-shirts because <laughs> like you're yeah. used to having just a handful of t-shirts given out and then surprised yeah and then and suddenly you're in a, in a position where there are like tens of thousands <laughs> of people in, involved and you have to take care of also very different logistics than than you would have thought and trust me my friend people are really passionate about these t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, i i would imagine definitely um are there any things that that are coming in the future that you would like to talk about yeah um i think as i said we have those three pillars the first is infrastructure uh, where we talk about droplets um yes. the second is cloud native where we talk about kubernetes and all the container related investments the third is pass you will continue to see investments in all three areas um if you if you look at 2020 we 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 almost did equal amount of investments in all three areas in 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 droplets we contributed through new droplet types we introduced storage optimized drop, droplets we introduced new tiers within the existing droplet types in kubernetes space uh, we added new enhancements to kubernetes and we introduced a new product called container registry in which you can store your container images which can then be used either with kubernetes or with app platform and we obviously we introduced app platform so if you if you think about these then the enhancements going forward are going to be along these three lines for apps we'll will continue to introduce new languages uh, that the platform can support yeah. new frameworks and as well as new integrations with whatever community tools are popular like we had github github earlier obviously we'll be looking to look at other source code providers other ci cd tools that might be popular in the market we'll look to integrate with those similarly around similarly in the droplet space just like we introduced storage optimized droplets we'll probably be looking to explore other flavors that you know developers are looking for we always follow that 80 20 rule like we don't want to do something that is only for one customer we want to make sure that a vast majority of our customers will benefit from it um and third is kubernetes uh, investments around scale and uh, yeah usability uh, those those would be the things that we would look at uh one more thing is uh, like we have managed databases a product that has performed very well for us we have currently postgres redis mysql uh and we'll be looking to add more database engines in future how do you see the the analytics and and kind of the measurement side of things which is also an uh, i see an emerging thing when when you look at it from from where kind of my devops point of view yeah um uh, we have we have some inbuilt functionality for for monitoring and insights okay. uh, that is an area that we are looking to dig more into in fact right right now we are doing some research we are also exploring some partnerships um nothing concrete i have to share on that right now but definitely like we are seeing more and more demand for that especially as people are adopting uh, things like kubernetes and more of these cloud native technologies uh, people like things like insights and observability are becoming top of mind for a lot of people so we're looking to see how we can provide more of that experience from within from within the digital ocean experience and i guess the the next similar question on on the future would be the as you said for the hacktober fest uh, of the open source community and helping that are there some plans regarding the open source community and and the the content you're creating or will you continue on the same line yeah i think there are there are a few ways in which uh, we contribute back to open source hacktober fest is probably the, the most well known one but even outside of that uh, there are a bunch of projects that we do internally that we open source um 
we contribute back to existing large open source projects like Kubernetes and, and some other projects in the CNCF space. We also sponsor uh, mo through monetary um, grants as well as credit grants, a lot of open source projects. But I would say what is the biggest one in my mind is contributing to making open source more usable by building the community tutorials that we have. I feel, I, I personally yeah. feel that is probably the biggest contribution. Like you search for Linux, you search for like any popular system administration or infrastructure topic, chances are you will land up on a DigitalOcean tutorial. Yes. So exactly. I, I feel like that is a huge contribution and something that we take very seriously and will continue to do. So these are some of the ways in which you contribute to open source. In addition to the fact that our cloud is widely known as the easiest cloud to operate open source projects. If you look at our marketplace, the DigitalOcean marketplace, uh, our, our marketplace offerings are usually open source projects packaged so that you can use them really easily. Like usually what people do is people create a virtual machine, then they install and configure the open source projects. Using marketplace, you can very easily create a single droplet, which is a virtual machine with with a popular open source project pre-installed pre-configured pre-packaged and all that so yeah open we live and breathe open source <laughs> we this company would not exist if not for open source yeah and and that's like i'm happy you are also giving back the same um as as already said like DigitalOcean is uh, the easiest cloud to take into use. So I don't have to ask, how do I start using the services from DigitalOcean? But if I wanted to ask, how can I contribute or give ideas to DigitalOcean? What, what would you, your take on that is? So as, as any of the listeners here, if they wanted to contribute somehow, or they had ideas on, on the future roadmap or requests for you, how, how should they, they approach? Yeah, a couple of ways. Um, uh, I think the, we have an ideas forum. Uh, if you go to like any any of our blog posts, at the bottom of that blog post, we always have a link of how you can contribute feature ideas, suggest feature ideas for our products. If you have, if you're already working with our products, and if you have any questions or or you know you you want some troubleshooting help, you can go to our community Q and A. So just like our tutorials, Q and A, question and answers is is also a big part of our community website. So you can go to that website and ask your questions and usually you will get a response within 24 hours. Um, several people also use this Q&A website as a way to spark discussion around, hey, you know, this DigitalOcean provides this, it would be nice to you know, have this additional aspect also. And our engineers and our support people are very active on that forum. We, they take it back to the product teams. So those are the two um, more uh, like prominent ones. Other than that, like just you know, posting, like we, we keep track of a lot of activity. Uh, we, we are very active on social. If somebody writes an article on dev.2, we are like several of our people are very active, active there also. People comment on our blog posts. We have a lot of debate and discussion in, in all those forums. But the ideas forum, as well as the community Q&A site are probably the primary ones. Thank you. I also presume that the same way as Efficode is always looking for experts you're doing that constantly as well is there some some flavor or are you doing the, the the kind of the same way as others or how do you find talent into digital ocean oh you mean to hire for hiring yeah 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 you know uh, several people like a lot of interest that we get in terms of recruiting technical recruiting is from people who have used digital ocean in one way or the other and they're like oh how did you build this thing like this is a much simpler version of what cloud should have been <laughs> to begin with so that actually attracts a lot of talent for us. Other than that, we have a very, very smart and dedicated uh, talent acquisition team. Uh, they are plugged into a lot of different areas wherever wherever talent is to be found. I myself was a beneficiary of that. I I must be honest, like I, I did not know a whole lot about DigitalOcean before uh, somebody approached me. And then with every successive uh, conversation with DigitalOcean team members, my interest level kept on going higher and higher. Yeah. And they convinced me enough to leave the company that I was with for 11 years. <laughs> yeah, and I would, because for, as I said, like uh, as a Scandinavian or from, from Nordic countries, uh, you're kind of humble and honest and, and DigitalOcean is, as I said, a huge brand in the developer's heart. So it was interesting also to hear how 
how people have the the bravery to apply and how do you find the correct people i did two things i would like to say number one i think you talked about humility and i think we take it very seriously if you see like community is a huge value for us and along with yeah. community like community cannot come with hubris you have to be you have to be humble you have to put yourself out there um and a lot of people it turns out actually appreciate that you know a lot of people are like that so so um that's number one second thing i would say is that we are a very distributed company even before the whole pandemic situation happened we were 70% remote and only 30% in our in person offices uh, right now it turned out like that that setup really helped us step into this work from home distributed situation really nicely so we are looking for talent wherever they are we are not tied to a specific geography we are a very global company uh, wherever we have entities present we are looking to hire people and we'll go where the talent is fantastic um we've talked about the uh, digital ocean for 45 minutes um and i thank you so much for your time so far is there something you would like to add in yeah no i think um i think you covered a lot of questions i think you asked me more insightful questions than i was prepared for <laughs> but <laughs> the the maybe parting note uh we are what we are trying to do with digital ocean is we are trying to make it we are trying to delight our users we we do not want to be the cloud that appears on slide decks and fancy marketing videos we would rather delight somebody who signs in becomes a customer and starts to create an application right there that is the type of cloud uh, that we are trying to be and the other thing is irrespective of your taste and ex- experience and expertise for infrastructure exp- uh, for infrastructure we want to serve you where you are based on your skill level if you are somebody deeply expert in in infrastructure there is a place for that if you are somebody who is looking for cutting edge kubernetes cloud native technologies there is a space for that if you are somebody who is looking to just build your applications but just by writing code and pushing the code out to the cloud there is a space for that so we are trying to cater to the entire spectrum uh and that's that's something that we are trying to like create more awareness around as well because traditionally we have been known as an as an infrastructure cloud but now with all this the the entire spectrum of offerings that we have uh, we would love for people to people on all um, uh, regions of the spectrum to to come to us and work with us you mentioned earlier about um, about the other technology platforms that many many cloud uh, platforms are focused on sort of digital transformation and there's a you said that there's a lot of money to be made there and admittedly a lot of companies have made that move but if there is an IT or a software R&D leader who is listening to this and they have made that move and they have listened through this conversation what what is the message you would send to those people um i think you know depending on if you are an enterprise that is, that is looking for digital transformation and i think in most cases what people do is they standardize on a on a on a cloud provider but a lot, with with multi cloud what a lot of people are trying to do is also trying to figure out if there are pockets of applications that might make sense for a different kind of a cloud either because of the nature of the application or because of the nature of the teams that are working on that application so i would say even within these large uh, pockets of usage of big clouds there are opportunities to use digitalocean so that's for like like large enterprises for smaller startups and smbs i you know i i i don't think they think in terms of digital transformation that that's a term that we have coined for ourselves in this industry like your everyday developer your everyday startup does not think that oh i'm going to digitally transform this 5% shop that i have uh, or or you know if i'm a, if i'm a 50% small and medium business trying to create like a developer focused product that's not how many people many people are thinking so for them our message is that like you want to focus on your business and we have the right products that allow you to do just that so that you know you can skip all the all the marketing hype around cloud and you know you don't have to feel overwhelmed by the complexity that is otherwise thrown at you come to our cloud and we'll give you just the right set of products to solve your problems that's that is what i would say the message would be am i right to assume that 
the, the people who are on the edge of trying something new regardless of what the party line of the corporation is so even though there would be uh, the infrastructure services available for them for their perusal they would still go for something that they perceive as easy and attractive oh absolutely i like i was telling you about my own personal experience right when i was leaving my previous employer microsoft i must say i was less aware of DigitalOcean and its offerings. But when I told people where I was going, so many people, mostly developers internally came to me. Yeah, yeah, we use DigitalOcean all the time. I use it for my project. I use it to teach my kids or I use it to like do this small project with my buddies. So that I heard that from so many people, which tells me that the the audience that we are trying to cater to developers, I think that has worked out really well for us. So in many cases, what these developers will do is, number one, they'll use it for their own own personal project. Second, they will kind of evangelize on our behalf because they love our product so much within, within their workspaces. And thirdly, when they become entrepreneurs, they will build their offerings on top of us. So, and we have seen all of that work. Yeah, and I would also claim that the SMBs, also big enterprises, have lots of people who pilot new practices, new ways of working, and new new application deliveries, and just installing new applications on DigitalOcean first. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. As said, I, I humbly thank you for your time so far. Is there anything else you or Lauri would like to add? I would have so much, but I need to contain <laughs> myself, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, uh, thanks a lot for having me. I know, what time is it for you? It's about 6 p.m. Oh, 6 p.m. is not that bad, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's mostly thanks to you, Raman, because you are there early, and, and I'm happy that we were able to do it this way. Thanks, Raman and Marco, for the enjoyable talk. As usual, our show notes have a lot of links for both Efficode and Digital Ocean resources. And if you for some reason missed the free offer from Digital Ocean, here it goes again. DigitalOcean offers our listeners a free trial for 60 days with 100 US dollars worth of credits. All you have to do is head to address do.co slash sauna. Create a free account or sign up using Google or GitHub account and you hit the ground running. That's all for now. Stay safe and keep zero day delivery.